We running this, let's go. I'm on a boat, I'm on a boat. Everybody look at me, cause I'm sailing on a boat. I'm on a boat. Greetings everyone, welcome to episode 40 of Assault Ships and Scuttlebutt, a World of Warships podcast. Now first off, before I even introduce my beautiful co-host, I have to apologise for last week's technical issues with sound. We have rectified that, I've done three test runs and everything is going hunky-dory, but greetings Captain Green, how are you this week, good sir? Uh, would you like the honest answer or the canned response? Oh, honest, honesty is best in life. So I got home three hours ago from school, and I've had six Cayman Jack margaritas since I've gotten home. So we're in a good mood. Um, <laughs> I had some s'mores outside. There was a lovely barbecue going. Um, I'm just hunky-dory. What'd you um, have on the barbecue? What'd you have on the barbecue? Oh, I just made s'mores. Nothing else? No ribs? No. no. Have, have you ever had s'mores? Do they have s'mores in your country? No. No, we're cultured. What do you mean? Oh, my God. All right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hit you with some wisdom. All right, go to the bodega or whatever you go to. Get <laughs> graham crackers, chocolate, and a marshmallow, and then uh, just. I've had, the I've had marshmallows melted. Is this sounds like this is diabetes waiting to happen type diet? No, they're so good. You can make them at the. Uh, don't make them in the microwave. Uh, a lot of people online say you can make them in the, in the microwave, but that is just the lowest of low. No, you got you got to do it over an open flame. Well, welcome home. How long are you home for? I'm home for a week, um, so it's going to be nice. You know, a week of sleeping in my own bed, vibing in my own space. Uh, I still have some work to do, and I got a whole bunch of friends to catch up with. But yeah, yeah, we're going to catch up that. with um, Dyer and have your weekly or monthly or frequent infrequent burrito. Potentially, potentially, but this this next week is actually going to be a little crazy for me. Um, you getting married? No, no. Nobody, no, we, we all know the odds of that. The um, next week, actually, I am going down to Washington, D.C. Okay. I got uh, sent down by the Job Corps campus I'm at because I guess I'm a leader. Um, so they're sending me down to a leadership summit in, in our nation's capital. So it's going to be Congrats. the first time I'm going to be down in D.C. Thank you. Thank you. Hopefully you get to um, see a few of the museums or exhibits or um, vessels around. I told uh, I told my teacher I'd, I'd only go under one condition, and that was she'd take me to the Air and Space Museum. And she gave me just like the most depressed look in the world. And I was like, yep, that's where I, that's where I want to go. She's like, you're fine. You're, you're lucky I like museums. I'm like, yeah, I really like planes. We're on our way. Fair enough, fair enough. That sounds pretty cool. Now, this week we are joined by a special guest. Greetings, a round of applause to the wonderful Sea Raptor 00. Howdy, fellas. How you doing? Good. How's yourself? Oh, not too shabby. Not too shabby. I'm a little jealous of, of Green here making it back to DC. It's, uh, it's a good trip. You've never been before, you said? No, I... I... I don't, I don't do much traveling, um, so it's going to be my first time down there. Well, you'll enjoy it. We lived in D.C. for the first six and a half years we were married, and uh, it, is, it is an interesting town. There's a lot of fun things to do. A lot of it doesn't cost you anything, you know, like all those museums you were talking about. Um, so, yeah, it's a, it's a worthwhile trip. Air and Space, actually, you, your timing is good. They've been closed for about two, two and a half years now, I think, and they just finished the reno of the one on the mall. So you should be in good shape. It should all be open again. 
Oh, that's going to be awesome. I, I, I can't wait. Cause like I said, I'm a, well, like I always say, I'm a big fat history nerd and oh, yeah. all, all those, all those planes and stuff that really is going to be exciting for me. So even if you don't, even oh, yeah. if you don't make it to air and space, go check out American history. Oh the, yeah. The Smithsonian American history museum is also excellent. That was one of my favorites that I, I think was probably a little underrated. At least I underrated it a little bit. And then the first time I went, I absolutely fell in love with the place. So definitely worth checking out. Just, I, I'm so much of a fat history nerd that I actually have a, a list of museums I wanted to go to in case one of them wasn't available. <laughs> You're going to love DC. In fact, oh, yeah. probably now there's, there's my, my favorite museum in DC actually isn't a Smithsonian. It's the International Spy Museum. Ooh. Um, I've never this even place, heard of that. Yeah, this, this, is, this, is a, this is a museum. It's not, like I said, it's not a Smithsonian museum. It originally started out when we lived there about 20 years ago uh, on the north side near the old post office. But about five years ago, they built a new place down at uh, L'Enfant Plaza. So they've got their own dedicated facility now. And I, I haven't seen the new place. I just remember the exhibits in the old place and how spectacular they were. You need to check that out if you get the chance. I don't know how long you're going to be there, but man, it is 100% worth it. That is a great museum. I have, I have four days. Three days will be, two days will be dedicated to travel. One day will be dedicated to uh, the, the leadership summit. I'm going to go apparently tour the White House and listen to a few uh, key speakers, people at Job Corps, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but there, I do have a free day, and my school's giving me $100 to go buck wild. <laughs> so <laughs> I'll, Go for the history stuff, but make a return trip someday because the Spy Museum is worth it. It's 100% worth it. Oh, if if I had more than like thirteen dollars in my bank account, I I would have already gone down there. I I I go all the time to almost all the museums I can go to. Play Genshin Impact on stream. People are waiting to throw money at you. No, no, no more. So no more. so, see Raptor, we're about. So I, I know where you are, but for our listeners, where do you hail from? Oh, I am from Texas. Um, that is that has been my home for. 35 years now, more or less. I mean, we've, it's, it's, I considered it home. When my wife and I got married 21 years ago, we, we, we lived in DC for the first six years. Um, but then in 2007, we moved back here. Uh, and I took a job in offshore oil and gas and we've, we've been here ever since more or less. We had a short stint where we worked expat in Northern Canada for a couple of years, yep. but in general, we've, this is home. And I, you know, I went to high school here and college here and so houston is home and has been for a very long time and it's got a very nice warm climate all year round um so well not year round but certainly the majority of the year like this you know fall and winter around here get tend to be a little cold and dreary we don't get snow really not, not typically i was um but like this week um this this whole week that we just that we're headed into um i'll put it in terms that you speak we're not going to see 10 in fact we'll be lucky to see eight so that is I mean, fresh. that is fresh. That I, I, I would even for, wear shorts for that. Yeah, for our part of the world, that is really unusual. Um, so yeah, but I mean, uh, you know, it's I don't mind it. Uh, it's a nice break from the hell of August, so it, it doesn't bother me at all. Yep. Are there any now? Greeny is a connoisseur of food, and he's putting together a list of places he has to visit when he goes around the states. Is there any place that he has to recommend that? Any local foods or restaurants that make um, that uh, just speak Texas? So the, there are probably three types of cuisine that I would really recommend you check out if you ever make it down to Houston. I'm going to hit Houston specifically because Texas okay. is a big place 
and there's a lot of really good places to eat. But in Houston, there are three things that I think we do really well that I that I would definitely recommend you check out. One is Tex-Mex, okay? And okay. there is a difference. Tex-Mex and Mexican food are not the same. They're similar. They're obviously related, but they're not the same. So Tex-Mex is its own kind of category. Um, the second time, the second one is steak, right? This is Texas. We like beef. We do a lot of beef and steaks. And so well, there are some really good steakhouses in this town. And then um, the last one is going to surprise you probably, but we have a huge Asian uh, community here, uh, Chinese, Korean, Vietnamese. Um, we have a lot of really good Asian restaurants too, if you know where to look. No, I, I've actually been down to the San Antonio area, and I was very much surprised by the variety. You know, I wasn't just expecting, you know, big, big, big owl steakhouse. You know, I wasn't just expecting all that stuff, but just the, the amount of uh, different foods and everything was very interesting. You can nearly say Texas sounds like it's the multicultural capital of the, the states by the sound of those different um, varieties. I'd also just like, oops, sorry. No, I was going to say, to be brutally honest, Houston Houston really is. Houston is arguably the most diverse city in the United States. Um, I'm sure there's places that would argue with me about that. But when you sit down and actually look at the actual statistics of um, population spread and where they're from and nationalities and that sort of thing, it is, it is in, we are all over the place. We have a huge Vietnamese population here. We have a fairly significant Nigerian population here. Um, not to mention the... Uh, the obvious Mexican influence we have due to our proximity to the border and obvious our obvious reasons, right? But so yeah, it's a it's a great place to live. Lots of lots of things to enjoy. I just want to cut in here quickly and circle back to the temperatures. Uh, <laughs> eight, eight degrees Celsius because I just was able to rub three brain neurons together and <laughs> yeah. convert that over to Fahrenheit. Uh, that's not cold. No, it's not cold for you. I gather you're in New England, yes. Yes, sir. Yeah, you said go down to D.C. So I was like, okay, you must be up up New England somewhere. No, for you, that's not cold. But for 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 me, I can I can drive to the Gulf of Mexico in an hour. For us, that's pretty unusual. That that's entirely fair, and I will admit on the on the flip side of things, I, I have been like I said, I have been down to San Antonio, and yeah. I made the mistake of visiting San Antonio in August. Oh, yeah, that's and, a mistake. And, and as a fat Irishman, <laughs> that just fucking murdered me. No, no, don't call yourself I, a fat Irishman. You, you're just putting on your winter coat. You, I, chose, I, you chose poorly. <laughs> I, I, I was so happy my friend had central air, but the second I stepped out, I, I, I felt like a vampire. It's like, fucking, oh, yeah. we have to go out now? It's noon. What do you mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, say, you said Irishman. I'm guessing Boston, yes? Oh, right on the money. Yes, sir. Okay, there we go. Excellent. One of my favorite towns. I love Boston. I Boston love is awesome because you can get like a, a authentic Italian cannoli. You oh. can walk over and see the Naval Yard and then go down um, to another part of Boston and get your liver stabbed out and have somebody steal your cannoli. <laughs> it's just a wonderful, wonderful thing. I, I, I miss Mike's. Mike's is an icon. What a great place. God bless. Um, yeah, so yeah, I love Boston. Great town. One of my favorite um, challenges slash memories we do here up here is uh, we walk the Freedom Trail, my, my friends and I, but we stop at every bar and we have to have at least one drink. And I have been unable to complete the Freedom Trail. You're getting soft greeny. No. Because, I, because I'm a big boy and my ego is the size of Jupiter, I usually get two drinks to show up my friends. And then my friends end up fucking dragging me up a hill. <laughs> I 
to your friends. That's so funny. Because the, the very first week, the very first time I was ever in Boston, my wife, my wife and I walked the Freedom Trail. We had a great time, but uh, I was oh, I was not a heavy drinker in that era. Oh, it's it's wonderful. Like the, oh, the yeah. thing that I love about Boston is you can't go and, and New England overall, you can't go two feet without hitting something that that is historically important. And as somebody who enjoys history, it's great. Like I'm 30 minutes away from Plymouth Rock. If you think that's if you think that's the case, never go to London. Never go to London. Well, I'm not going to London, but that's because of other reasons. But well, but I'm just saying, like that place is every built. There, there are buildings there that you don't think are historical that are like incredibly significant. It is an it is an, a fascinating town. Oh yeah, I I I, I love that um, about pretty much anywhere I go to. Yeah, I did the same thing when I walked around Dublin on St. Patrick's Day a few years nice. ago. Nice. Oh, yeah. I, I landed with $13 in my bank account, and I left drunk with like $400 in my bank account <laughs> because people kept giving me drinks and money. Oh, my God. Maybe that's the answer. Fly, fly to Dublin Greeny to earn some money with an accent. Dude, there it, you go. It, it's great. It's great. They're, they're very generous people. Didn't get that when I had a layover in London. That's all I'm going to say. That's fair enough. That's reasonable. That's reasonable. Mm-hmm. So, C Raptor, you've been with World of Warships for as long as I can remember. What actually brought you into World of Warships? Um, so, I guess technically it was a friend of mine. Um, a guy that I used to play uh, World of Warcraft with. Uh, gosh, this would be Lich King era, so probably 13 years ago now. Um, we all hung out together. We played for many years. And somewhere along the way, he and a buddy of his started playing World of Tanks. Yep. And he kept trying to get me to come play World of Tanks. I had no interest in World of Tanks, but he talked this game up. And then one day, he sends me this link, and he says, the guys that make this game are making a game called World of Battleships. You, this is up your alley, because he knows me, he knows what I do. I have a degree in marine engineering, and I worked for the Navy building ships for a while. So he goes, this is your thing. And I looked at it and went, yes, this is my thing. So I signed up for uh, Closed Beta. And of course, I didn't make it into closed beta. But at that point, I heard about the game and kept tabs on it. Uh, and then when the game went into open beta in what was July of 15, I was there on day one, ready to go. And I've kind of been around ever since. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing how quickly seven years actually goes past. Yeah. So, like, now I was going to say, you've, as a, you've played this game since it started. You've streamed yeah. and casted for many tournaments where do you think the pinnacle or golden age of the game was, or do you think it's still to come? Do you think there's still more that we can bring into it? Man, it's it's. I read that I, I saw you ask this question, and I was like, I don't know how to answer this. Right? I there's a part of me that feels like the the golden age of boats is kind of past, mm. and that I'm maybe being a bit unfair, but I can remember a time. 2017, let's say. Let's go back 2017, 2018, right? Where, yes, the population of the game was perhaps smaller, but that population, the people that were there, they felt more dedicated. They felt more knowledgeable. Um, And the release of new ship lines, I think they would usually put out three or four a year. About once a quarter, I'd say, was a fairly average thing. That was big news. Once a quarter was about, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was about right. like that, And that was big news. That was a big deal. And then premium ships, right? Premium ship releases were generally about two two a month. Usually, 
you know, you got one at the beginning of the month and one in the middle of the month, and they were usually available for about two weeks at a stretch. Generally. Yeah, they weren't available all the time. They rotated. No, they weren't. No, they weren't. And and so the pace of the game, keeping up with the pace of the game, was much simpler. Um, and then as we got later, in, you know, we got into 2019, we had the leadership change at the top of the food chain and in early 2020. And it ever since then, it's just felt like the pace of the pace of releases has been so insane. You just can't keep up. Now, from an online game perspective, I understand their mentality, which is more content is not bad. Mm. But as a player, sometimes it feels overwhelming. And so um, I feel like that for me has impacted kind of my view on the game a little bit uh, to the point where. I've reached a point where it's, it's, I won't say it's impossible for me to keep up with everything, but it's difficult for me to keep up with everything. And so I've kind of hit a point where sometimes I just don't. I just don't read Warships News for a week. And God bless my Twitch chat, right? Because I'll join, the, I'll, join, I'll join a stream and they'll be like, have you heard this or that? And I'll be like, no, I haven't. So I'll have to go read and get caught up and they'll, they'll help me keep on top of things. So yeah. God bless them. Oh, that, that, yeah, I, 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 I still... Would hope that the game still got a lot to offer, but you, you're right. There, there is a lot of content that comes out. Gun calibers, armor schemes. It's very hard to keep up with everything in yeah. the in the game now. With the amount of once upon a time, you'd be able to memorize like um, your BB caliber guns and so forth. But with the amount of premiums and rare premiums that some people don't play very often, it's very hard. Yeah, I I had a few times last week where so I was playing my Cabrosk and somebody asked me if it was a test ship. You know. <laughs> So yeah, there, there's I definitely see a lot of stuff like that. Yeah. In in terms of like just the 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 weight of content overbearing, which isn't a bad thing because you no. you have people who's like can you know grind out a line in two days, you know, and they they get to enjoy that and that's great. But uh, it it does look a little overwhelming. Yeah, it's it's definitely it's definitely not a bad thing. I mean, there are games that charge fifteen dollars a month that don't have to play that don't have this level of content in them. That, that, that right? is so, true. That is true. I, I never. Yeah. I, I always. We never go through that. But in the end, this is a free to play game. There's no subscription yeah. service. I mean, but at the same time, there are times that I think, I wish you boys would just, you know, ease up off the gas pedal a bit. You know, maybe spread things out a little more and just give us time to just play and enjoy. But that's not the philosophy they've adapted the last few years. And so, and so for me, at least, I, when I look back at kind of when I enjoyed the game the most, it was those eras that's, you know, 2016 to 2018 stretch where, you know, it was just, it was the content releases were steady, but they didn't feel overwhelming and I could keep up with everything. There, there, there is a proposed change. It's, it, it is now agenda, but I, I'm looking forward to, I, I, I don't like CV still, especially in good players' hands. Um, you can get average. There are a lot of average CV players out there, but when you get a Malta Immelman, there are too many T10 broken CVs that can just farm you to, to the ground. I'm I'm inclined to agree, and I think one of the so for me when I look at carriers in World of Warships right now, to me, tier eight should be the golden standard because tier eight carriers there is a large variety of ships of ship capabilities but there are very few tier eight carriers that you look at and go that ship is trash or 
that ship is OP, right? Mm. Each and almost to a man, each and every, to a man, to a ship, each and every one of them has something that they do really well, something that they don't do really well, and some kind of vulnerability, right? Whether they're they don't have a lot. Maybe they are snipeable because they have low AA, or they're really they're really fat, so they're highly detectable at long ranges or whatever. So there's this nice mix, right? For some reason, carrier design at tier ten takes all of that. I won't say ideal balance because it's not ideal, but I feel like tier eight is in a pretty solid place. And you get to tier ten, and you look at the spread of tier ten carriers, and you're like, "What crack addict designed all of this mess?" Because some of those ships are insane, and some of those ships are so gimped as to be laughable. I, I like what do you mean? Stuff. Audacious is the best tier ten carrier. This is the official viewpoint of this podcast. <laughs> no, 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 no. I disagree with that. <laughs> oh my God. But no, I, I, I honestly kind of think you're you're right on the money with that because there's I think that there's a lot of carriers at tier eight that people perceive to be dog shit, but that's mainly down to their reputation within the community. Like yes. I, I know a lot of people who look at the Lexington and go, "Wow, Lexington sucks," that's or 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 looks at um, Saipan and goes, "Wow, Saipan sucks." Saipan is hard to play. But she's incredible. Like Saipan is carrier on hard mode, but in the right hands, or even better, with the right matchmaking, that ship can be really, really good. Oh yeah. yes. And and I and uh, at the opposite end of that, I think people see YouTube videos from old like Enterprise and Cry, oh, and then they have oh. a and then they have a Kaga just crip walk at them the next game with ten and a half with the actually the entire population of Japan on board. Because I, I, the planes just never run out. I will, I will, and I, I, I will I, admit to the Enterprise before they change the rocket interactions of killing DDs in like two passes. That ship was disgusting before they changed the rocket reticles. Like <laughs> it was, it was the poster child for why carriers, the carrier destroyer interaction was just broken as all hell. As a BB guy at the time, I, I was fine with it. Looking back on it, eh, it's not as good. <laughs> But I, I think that that's kind of the perception that people have. Yeah. Um, and people have that same perception at Tier 10, but I think that it's a little bit more grounded in reality. Because it's much again, more grounded there, in reality at tier there's 10. people who, who do incredibly well in Audacious. But I have not met a single... I mean, we have, we have um, a Putin in the clan and Addy, who I'm pretty sure both leaderboarded Audacious. None of them touch their... I'm pretty sure Putin sold his Audacious. They, they don't touch it. They don't enjoy it. Why? Yeah, like, why, why, why play it? That's the thing. You can get the ship. This is, this, is the, this is a conversation that I have with my chat on Twitch on occasion, which is you can get almost any ship in the game in the right circumstance, in the right hands, to perform well. But that doesn't make it fun to play, no, does it? No, yeah. If you, if you have to Omega Sweat to do well in a ship, yeah. I... Ugh. You don't, want too easy, fun... you don't want it too easy, You don't want to become a small And now, and now, compare the experience, the the to use your term, the Omega Sweat teeth grinding experience of playing Audacious to playing Makimov. <laughs> why are these? Why are these two ships considered the same tier when they are so radically different in the capabilities? They're, the things that they're able to achieve. It's, or, it's honestly, it's lunacy. Or, and I don't understand it. Or even like Midway. Because I, again, you yeah. can, Midway might be the old, one of the oldest CDs in the game. 
but it doesn't matter when fucking like six thousand pound bombs hit you and you get four fires and done mid- like twenty k to you. Midway and hack well, still measure up, but you look at something like Malta compared to Audacious, like oh dude, Malta. Oh my god, Malta oh my is god. so much better. It's not even close. Correct. Yeah, oh it's, god, it's, Malta is the Malta. When I look at Malta, I'm just like. This is what the top tier of the British carrier line should be. This ship is excellent. It's mm. capable. If anything, it's probably a little too capable. Don't be I'm not going to be shocked if they have to tone that one down a little bit. My I but, just the first week it came out not to cut you off, but it just no, no. it was very funny because I just my first interaction with the Malta was just uh I was playing in Elbing and there was a Minotaur that was charging my smoke and the Malta came over and one tapped him with the AP bomblets. And I was just uh-huh. like, what is this? Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you're, if you're so a light just, cruiser, uh, fear the Malta. Yeah. Even if you're a battleship, I've seen people get 30k drops. You just pen the superstructure. Yeah. yeah. Like, it, it, all, it all comes down to the fact that the British HE level bombs do not have the penetration that they need to be effective against the targets they're meant to go after at tier 8 and above. Right. Mm. That's the re- that's the reality of the situation. And for some reason, I don't understand why here we are, what, three years after the British carrier line and nothing's changed. Like, fellas, what is, what is how the, do you not have the data to prove this? What is the bomb pen for it's, the it's like 30 mils or 30 or 34 mils? It's well, it's enough to pen heavy cruisers. And I think the, the kind of the squishy battleships, right, the British and the French. But like against everything else, they just shatter. They're just garbage. And I, I the, think the that, drop time on them is so bad that destroyers and cruisers have no problem maneuvering out of the way of the drop. So the only thing they're reliably good against is battleships. I've I, yeah, I kind of agree on that one. The the wind up on the on the bomb drop is uh, a little little suspicious. But um, yeah, I mean, actually, wait a minute. The pen's forty one. But the the Malta's 30, but... I'm not not undermining you or anything with this. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I forgot the the boat existed, so I was looking at the stats. I'm I'm glad you checked me on that, because I don't remember off the top of my head. I just know that it's just not that great. You get tons and tons and tons of shatters. Well, it's 41, and... But the the Malta has a 109mm pen. Exactly. Back, back to the audacious. I mean, yeah, you're just going to get shatters because all of the battleships that you can conceivably or easily drop average 50 mil decks. Exactly. Like the Prussian, the Yamato, they all have like 50 mil centerpieces. Yeah. So you just, you, you hit the superstructure once and you just go kablooey and then you run away. If, if they wanted to try, so in my mind, there's two different ways you could, and I'll tell you, I'll say this, at tier six, Furious, in my opinion, is fine. There's nothing wrong with that ship. She's very competitive. The things that she can bomb are, those bombs are effective. Starting at tier eight, those British HE level HE bombs lose their, their utility. They just, they fall off too quickly. So there's two things they can do in my mind at tier eight for implacable and at tier 10 for audacious. One is improve the pen. That's a possibility. The other is for God's sakes, can we improve the drop, the, the drop time? Like they take forever to fall down. Oh no! Oh, they, and they they never used to. Oh, well, this may be they didn't. Testing, when, the, when they were testing these ships, they didn't. They weren't that bad. No. So in yeah, plaque pen is twenty six. Have fun with that. There you go. Oh, so that that's fun. right. Yeah. 
So anyways, I could do a whole, I could do a whole video series on, on things that are wrong with the high end of the British carrier line, but nobody would watch it because it's carriers and like everybody thinks carriers are crap. And so the, the British, the British seem to have the least amount of love. And now dare I ask you for your thoughts on submarines and super ships? Um, I don't like super ships. I think uh, that the, when, the, when they first introduced the concept, I remember thinking, huh, this is kind of interesting. And as we've gone farther down and they've introduced more and more, I'm seeing more of the of design decisions that I don't like. Mm. Now that sounds a little like that's a bit self-serving, but let me try and explain what I mean. There's there's two facets to this in my mind. One is their impact on how the game plays, and the other is the impact on the, the game economy. Once upon a time, long ago, when the game was new. Playing tier 10 cost money. It did. To you, play a tier 10 you ship, lost. You, well, not always, but if you had an average game, or God forbid you had a bad game, like you just got, like you were and you took your gearing out and you, you got slapped around and died in three minutes, you know, or whatever, you lost money for sure at tier 10, 100%. The premium camos they started selling improved that to the point where if you were willing to spend doubloons and get a permanent tier 10 camo, and they were like 5,000 doubloons or something, you could now, you could reliably grind and make money at tier 10. That started to change the equation. And then over the years, they, 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 they tilted it even further and even further in, in favor of the players. Now, as a player, I'm not going to object. It means that now, I want to take my tier 10 ship out, I don't feel like I'm losing money. But it means that now there's a whole, there's, there's an, a lot of folks in the game, right, that only ever play tier 10 ships. Whereas, for the first 18 to 24 months of the game's life, you didn't play tier 10 exclusively. You played tier 10 on occasion, and you played your lower tier stuff to make enough money to be able to fund playing your tier 10 ships on occasion, right? So the economic side of things at tier 10 has shifted. And now when you see what they're doing with the super ship economy, it's like they're trying to bring back that incredibly punishing tier 10 economy. This was something that didn't dawn on me. In fact, something on somebody on YouTube pointed this out to me the other day. I played a game in Edgar, my, like my first or my second game in Edgar. And I love Radar Minotaur. So when they told me I could get a Radar Super Minotaur, I was all in. I was like, hell yeah, sell me one of these. The very first game I played that ship, I went out and had a, a solid little game. It wasn't, wasn't crazy, but it was like two kills, 9,000 damage, 2,000 base XP, right? Solid little game. I lost like 300,000 credits or whatever it was. And I didn't notice this. Until somebody on my YouTube comments were like, yeah, that's a great game, but you lost money. I went, what? I went and looked. At the, and sure enough, so, right you're, there, not, you're so not used to ever losing credits. That's, that, that's exactly right. Right there on the end game screen, it shows you I made negative credits, whatever it was. I don't remember what the number was. Now, I have a lot of credits, okay? So it, it, I didn't notice. But the bottom line was, I, at that point, I realized that part of the reason super ships are in the game is not for balance or for fun. It's to suck money out of the economy both in what you spend to achieve it, there are 50 million credits to get the thing, and then to play it, you will almost never come out ahead when you play that ship. Or maybe if you do, you have to stack all kinds of blue and red, the, the beacon bonuses on it to make money, right? Hmm. So there's, there's that aspect of it. And then there's also the, the, the player, the kind of the game interest aspect of it, which is the capabilities of some of these ships are just absolutely radically what the hell are you doing to call them the same tier take a ship like annapolis right annapolis is basically a des moines on crack and des moines is already a really good boat and now i've taken it and i've added a turret 
I've lengthened the cool the reload just a hair, and I've given it more health, and I've button. given it I've given it the funny button, which is the oh you screwed up. Now I'm going to wreck you for it button. Okay. Conde during Con the, yeah, the love season. I Conde. still I still cry whenever I fight a Conde. Right, right, right. So so I think I look at Conde and Annapolis, let's say, as similar ships of similar power level. But now look at some of the other tier eleven cruisers that they're introducing. Go look at Klauschwitz and try to tell me that ship is on the same level. It's not. Not remotely. And so what is happening here? Right? If you're gonna if you're gonna charge me fifty million credits to to, to buy the ship, and then you're gonna charge you're basically gonna charge me per game to play it. And you're gonna, and then, I, and then it doesn't have the same power level as the stuff that you've already put out. What is happening? Don't, don't that, forget, don't forget. A lot of these players also dumped in two hundred million plus to buy them early in an oh. auction house. The, don't get the, me started. The reason I think we we're seeing ships like the Clauswitz and like the Patri is because of the existence of the uh, Annapolis and the Condes. Because it, no matter how you cut it. The ability to just, you know, toss out a funny button was very powerful. Yeah. So I think that that's why we're going to see a lot of super ships just kind of without funny buttons and just kind of boosted overall stats. Which, let's, if I'm honest, I'm okay with that style of design, right? If that's if that's where you're going to design the tier 11s going forward, fine. But then you got to go back and you got to bring these other ships in line because this is not okay. <laughs> uh, they, they 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 will not and don't forget they did add clan bonuses so you can get clan port upgrades that actually get xp not not credits but you can get a discount on buying the super ships yeah yeah so i just i i don't have a problem as you point out green with what they're doing with a ship like patri or klauschwitz basically you're taking the existing design of the tier 10 and you're you're Beefing it up by yeah, it. you're expanding on it. Ten percent, fifteen percent, whatever, some number, and you're giving it a little better DPM and a little more health and a little more capability. Awesome, I, I, that's fine. That interests me. But then, when you now, now I look at something like again, I, I put Klauschwitz next to Annapolis, and you're going to tell me these two ships cost the same and are and, and are roughly equivalent. Uh, bullshit. <laughs> wait, wait for the Super Kremlin that will eventually come oh. out. And yeah, if, yeah, if yeah. you if you are a Yamagiri driver, for the love of God, yes, you have torps, but yes, you've got some of the highest alpha hitting guns in the game. You have an F button. If you have a DD, no, nope. nope. it looks like a Shima. Therefore, you play it like a Shima. I, I torp, no gun. Use your F button to wipe out the enemy DD. That is all I want to say. I've I've been I've gotten into a lot of engagements with uh, Yamagiri's, and, and they, they never shoot their use, guns. No, no, they use their F buttons. It's just they they're just not used to shooting, so they just miss, <laughs> and then I kill them because they have yeah. like a forty second reload. I've seen a lot of really questionable Yamagiri players. I have seen some good ones though. I've seen some good ones. Oh but... yeah, well, I mean that's that's the same thing. I had a I was playing my Shatsuma, and I had a, a Patri walk at me, and I just kept punching him in the nose, and then he called me a hacker. You know, there, there's. You're going to have all, all different types of people playing all different types of ships, and not yeah. everybody can on, operate on the same knowledge level when it comes to the game. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Yeah, so in, in general, I'm not a fan of super ships. Partly, I understand the economic decision. I don't have to like it, but I at least understand it. But the balance, the, the balance I, of super ships right now feels completely wrong, and so I don't like them. The, the my, other thing... I was going to say quickly, my issue with super ships, not only as part of that, is 
that they said they'd be very rare maybe one or two per game but i've had games where you've had seven, seven or eight per side yeah. and i'm in a tier I've nine seen, yeah and, and and so i don't like I, i'm not like you i don't like that i don't like seeing five on a team and i hate now that tier nine can be bottom tier yeah i um I'm, I'm kind of indifferent because i am kind of still shell-shocked by like annapolis and conde but I also very much like my 26-second reload Super Republic. So, you know, is, is ups and downs to everything. Um, well, all I can say is, Green, you never got to enjoy playing in Des Moines in randoms when the, um, the United States came out and her special consumable of torpedoes would do 45k damage to you. No, but I experienced that in my Salem, and I punched a hole in my wall. <laughs> Yes. Now, yeah, there, there was nothing better than having that happen than be like, all right, I can heal like 13% of this back. <laughs> I'm back in the game, baby. Yeah, we're back, baby. And then he killed me with rockets. Yep. Now, Ugh. to answer kind of the other half of that equation, I'm not, I'm not nearly as enraged by subs as I am by super ships. Oh, summer, submarines trigger me. No, I'm really not. Now, there's a couple of reasons for that. One is submarine play right now, and let's be honest with our let's be honest, guys. There are a lot of really, really terrible people playing submarines right now. Like there, there guys are guys that, that that drive forward and get dumpstered in three minutes, right? It's like it's like having a less capable, easier to kill destroyer. And so there's a lot of people that are really bad at destroyers that are also really bad at submarines. But those yeah. aren't the people I have issues with. It's, it's the ones that are skillful at submarines. Exactly. I and think, so there, there's where the rub is, isn't it? I, I, to kind of expand on that, I think that that's where people are exactly getting hung up, kind of like what you were saying. It's, it's the bad encounters that you remember. You know, you yes. don't remember absolutely just like running over... 2D, well, two subs in your Yagumo or something. I take a perverse pleasure in doing that. I, 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 take oh, a, no, I, 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 I do a double strike, I clip, and it becomes something on my stream, you know? Yes, no, yeah, like, I mean, you know, I, I ran over uh, a, a DD last night in my Kitakaze, and the only reason I remember it is because he said that I was a hacking piece of shit because the depth charge should have damaged me, too. <laughs> and, you know, like, I remember those, but I don't remember the other subs that I've killed this week. But I, I also have, remember when I fight, you know, people who are really, really knowledgeable in subs because it's infuriating. It, yes. It's, it's hard in a DD, but it's worse when it's a late game and you're in a BB and there's a sub and there's nothing you can do. He's not pinging you. He's going to get close enough to just um, yeah. fire torps at you without pinging. And you have zero interaction with that zone of control. Um, right. Even as a DD, he can come up yeah. so close and just alpha strike and you've got... No recourse. Uh, that annoys yeah. me. And so that's absolutely, I'm with you because that's happened to me as well. And it is incredibly frustrating because the other, the other player, the other ship in that encounter has all the cards. You're just, you're just a target basically for them to polish off at their leisure. Um, you've been given countermeasure tools that don't work necessarily because you have no idea where to apply them because he doesn't have to tell you where he is. Uh, well, uh, sorry, countermeasures. Unless you're a Dutch cruiser, you're the Leon, oh the Leona <laughs> that did have depth charges. The Ahotnik. Didn't they have... say they're adding those to the Dutch cruisers? I they, think I read they, that. They did, but they've never been okay. added thus far. So until okay. they're actually okay. added. 
No, I don't think it's come yet. But I mean, you have to remember that anytime they announce something like that, you're you're four to six months away from seeing it. Yeah, but CVASW so. came out within two weeks, and then subs went live. CVASW came out within two weeks. They announced it. It got tested really quickly, and then it came live with the early access to submarines. Okay, I see your point. I see your point. But and when they announced CVASW, they also announced a Dutch ASW that they'd be making it, and so we've got one in the game. There's okay. no Dutch so that's one. A, that's that's a that's a huge miss they need to fix. But uh, but yeah, I'm with you. I, I now so so again, seventy. 80% of the interactions that I have with submarines in this game are comically hilarious because the person on the submarine end of it is so comically bad that it's like they, they, they're pinging when they shouldn't be. They can't manage their battery effectively. So they, they end up on the surface or they, you know, and it's just like, okay, like you, you played all of this wrong to some extent that's still learning because subs have just now come to the regular tech tree. Mm. So the question is, there's a, there's a handful of people right now that have been playing subs long enough that are already pretty good. Is the community at large, are we going to see more people getting better in the class to the point where it becomes a bigger problem? And that's right now what I don't know. I don't have a good read on. No, and like I, I have an old account. I play still prime time on it. Sometimes I'm at T6 and I'll get two CVs, three subs and two DDs. That's not fun. That is not fun. I had a game this week on my stream in Warspite, which is a ship that I am not, I don't particularly am not particularly good in, right? It's not a yeah. ship I generally agree with. We had two carriers, three destroy, three submarines, and three destroyers on each team. And, but uh, we, we've been told that happens very infrequently, and yet it's, well, yeah, uh, it totally I, I, I don't, I don't even bother reporting it because I just get no. told it won't, it's not, it's very infrequent. Yeah, it happens I, over and over. I won't. I won't spoil that game. I sent that game to Jingles because I think the end result of it was hilarious enough that he might he might be interested in it. But I haven't heard back yet, so we'll see. <laughs> I, I've still got to say my my one of my more favorite memories is being in a CV, a tier eight CV, and ramming a sub for victory. Yeah, nice. that was that was a good clip. I love that. That clip. feels good. That feels good. But yeah, but, oh, oh, yeah. I won't talk any more about subs. Yeah, let, let's let's hope that um, we get a little bit more. I'm sure we will get more effort and not effort. That's the wrong word. We'll get a lot more results and changes to the submarines because we we got another line in testing um, at the moment for the Royal Navy submarine line. Yep. So and, and and the Soviets. I see that that one always bugs me because when they first came out, they were, we were meant to have three lines. The Soviets were mentioned early, and with the way yep. that it's been balanced, but the Soviets had the longest range torps, had the hardest hitting torpedoes with the longest cooldown. But talking about that zone of control, when you can stay even further out and fire your yeah. torps, makes it more frustrating. But, fun and games. Fun and games. But let's let's actually talk a matchmaker. So we, we had a listener. He came in um, where he asked a question, and we, we've really touched upon it. And he used to love playing um, tier nines. Tier nine, tier seven used to be the sweet spot for me matchmaking. Yep. Four four years ago, seven eight can play a lot of historic ships. It was a lot of fun to play those tiers. Then they changed matchmaker, so tier eight wouldn't see so many tier tens, and tier nine became the sweet spot, and tier seven got shafted. 
Now we're seeing, as we've alluded to, super ships T9 seem to get shafted consistently in either bottom tier or bottom tier in Q dumps because there's a super CV that's waiting Q for eight minutes a minute. There's another one in Q. You get a 6v6 yep. game, even at prime time. Do you think Matchmaker really... It's, it's, been, it's been questioned several times. Do you think it's time that Wargaming revisits Matchmaker specifically in regards to super ships and making a few tweaks, or should they revisit the whole Matchmaker because it seems seven to nines get shafted at the moment and people are not enjoying it? I, I look, I, I'm not... I'll, I'll just say this as a caveat. I don't mind you get more XP as a bottom ship, but I understand people's frustrations. I'm of the opinion that we need to start putting caps on the number of super ships in a game. Now, that, the reason that I have that opinion is because it ties back to what we were talking about earlier. These ships aren't, some of these ships aren't remotely balanced, okay? So, against each other. Imagine, I mean, if, if one team's super ships are Conde and Annapolis on the cruiser side... And the other teams are Edgar and Klauschwitz. Mm. I'm sorry, that is not a balanced game, okay? And you can't convince me differently, not right now. Not, a, not the way these ships stand. The only way this starts to kind of uh, tone down a bit is if it's, you know, if there's only a handful of these things floating around in a game. And I'm, I'm, I believe that it, that, um, that that tier that tier eleven and I call them tier eleven because that's so, what they so are. They're, they're, tier, they're, 11 they're tier eleven and they're bringing they're tier out eleven more. ships. That's that's that Wargaming's internal numbering system. The way they the way they number ship hulls calls them tier eleven. So they're not even subtle about it either. Um, uh, to me, you need to I, I you know put a cap on them. Three in a game, four in a game, whatever. I you know if if I can I can suffer as a tier nine ship if there's only if I'm bottom tier by, you know, there's only a couple or three things that really grossly out-tier me. But when, like you point out, five, six, seven ships in the game are all super ships and I'm tier nine, what the yeah. hell is this? That's ridiculous. It gets, it gets a bit frustrating. I'm going to go out on a radical limb, time-gate them like they have with ranked in every other event, make sure that they can only be played in super-populated times for each of the servers, so that way... I like it. You don't get I like it a lot. Ups. I think that's reasonable. But, and, and, they, and, and I doubt they would do it. I doubt right? that too, because, because they put a mission chain in to get steel yeah. or coal, and that, that's sort of the influx. That's sort of, for me, that's sort of the influx of super ships when people started doing it is. that. And I had so many poor super ships, and I saw so many poor super ships. As a tier 9 player, I, I shouldn't be taking out Condes, Annapolis, or Edgars, but yet I did because players don't know how to play these boats. Yeah. Greeny, would you make any changes for the matchmaker? Um, <clears throat> I I really kind of agree with what was initially said. I'd get rid of the 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 gate where it just kind of dumps them, um, because I have had a lot of games like that where it's like two super CVs and like four other ships. Um, <laughs> that's that, that's, what, that's always fun loading into a game, going, "Oh crap!" I'm yeah, just, no, I'm just sitting there and you're like, I'm "What the food. fuck is this?" Yeah, that's exactly your reaction. And, and and it's not even, you know, it, it's not even, like, defensible, that, that position really. Oh, yeah, this is good for the game. How is this good for the game? Because yeah. nine, time, nine times out of ten, I have a CV on one of the CVs is going through, is, like, midway through a brain transplant and just fighters himself at the beginning of the game. And then the other time, you just get 
pinpricked to death by, you know, airstrikes. And it's just not fun. So I think removing that gate and and forcing in some semblance of a mirror would, would be good. I'll, I'll I don't, I don't, uh, I don't care that a super ship's in queue for seven minutes. I don't, I don't care I'm, because I'm, at the end of the day, you're negatively affecting the entire game. So yeah, you should go through a time gate. I'm going, I'm going to be radical here. I don't mind super ships so much as the surface vessels and destroyers. I've got gripes against the CVs with their special consumable every so often that they can, regardless of losses to the special squadron, they can rotate every two minutes i don't think we should be having tier 11 cvs at all that that that, that was a mistake in my opinion having including them in the super ships um, for my money i disagree with you um the the care the super carriers almost almost all of them i'd have to sit down and maybe run some side-by-side -side comparisons but the the last time i remember checking and i know they've nerfed us's torpedo squadron have, about three yes. times now um they were basically the tier 10 carrier copy pasted they would yank out one squadron and then give two of these tactical squadrons two ish on some generally one on like a crazy long cooldown and one on like a moderately okay cooldown hmm. to the point where for some of those planes you only get to use them three times in a game you know there's one of those torpedo squadrons i remember oh, now maybe they changed it but one of them was on like a six minute cooldown they have, you know, but in I, the in the early days when they were like two minutes or two two and a half minutes, you oh, saw that was them, insane. That, that's that, crazy. Yeah, because, yeah, because at that point, they come back quick enough. You don't ever use anything else. <laughs> well, the, yeah, the the other thing is, is if you're in a surface ship, a two minute cooldown on something is usually a bit much. Yeah, but when you're in a CV and you're going through cycles on squadrons, or even if you just put one squadron out, that squadron might be out for a minute, minute and a half, two minutes. Then right. oh, I eat all you know. All my torpedo planes die to flak. Well, that's cool because the funny jets are back. Let me just mew them across the battlefield at five and a half times the speed of sound and just absolutely hey, dumpster you, somebody's you, you day. Played the early days, Greeny, when Midway yeah. had um, jet planes. So that used to be no, so I, did. Oh, I did. I remember. I remember the pancakes. I remember. Oh I was God. there. That was lunacy back in the day. Olds. There is no carrier in the game ever been more broken than original midway when the game released open beta yes that and, has been the most broken carrier ever and on the Did map the original islands of ice so that was still oh, but that that, that map super. alone it gave me so much more best memories yeah. even win or didn't, the midway, didn't the midway have like three torpedo or three she or two had, torpedo bomber yes, squadrons it was like three or four torpedo squad i think it was three torpedo squadrons each put six into the water they were jet aircraft so yeah. you would the game would spawn this was before, even before they nerfed carriers to the point where the planes had to load in and to get started the game. Mm -mm. This was all your squadrons were available the instant the game dropped. So you immediately started launching planes, and in less than three minutes, usually, you could you could choose a t an opposing tier ten battleship, and he was extinct. And then I, I, I know I, I because I was usually the battleship in my GK. Uh, no. I remember that. Early days it used to be plus three and minus three matchmaking for battleships. So my oh, first experience of the midway was in a Nagato yes. on Islands or of Colorado. Ice. Oh, Colorado. <laughs> yeah, Colorado, no, Colorado no versus midway, hundred percent. I've seen it. There, there is no just dodge in that in that experience. No. There is just your death. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, soup ships matchmaker. I they need to look at it, especially with the Q dumps, with the amount of submarines coming into it as well. Um, 
we may get it if enough people complain about it but or send screenshots but I, I don't like loading in with two or three subs for three or four dds per team in a cv it's like uh, this the, is fun for the me the, the first thing the most basic matchmaking thing we need to change is get rid of double carrier games that has always been ridiculous doesn't matter what tier i don't care if you're tier four Double carrier games are ridiculous, yeah. and they're, uh, nobody likes them. So that should just go. The only reason that they still have it, as near as I can figure, is because the Asia server has, has a such a huge, yes. healthy population of carrier players that they feel like they can't get rid of it. Well, but, I'm... Ugh. But Mr. Raptor, that would negatively affect the CV's um, game time. Well, I mean, yes, but that's one player out of... 12, 12, you know, 11 others on the team. I mean, I, you know, I, I don't know. That's my opinion. I think double carrier games have always been dumb and should be gone, period. End of discussion. That's, to me, that's step one. Well, after more, that, more so yeah, we complete, need to make another tweet. It's, it's more so completely like, we could be a tier eight, for example, division. I could take a kid, you could take another AA cruiser. And we're, we've min-maxed with our CV to help him. And like, sometimes you might take a boat that's got very little AA. Say I take an Ashitaka, no AA, the older Margi A-hole. And suddenly yeah. I've got double cargos on the other team. It's like, yep, like that's not going to be fun. Excuse me, CV friend. Please give me the fighter plane, even though you can just dodge the fighter plane. Yeah, even though they're not very effective anymore either. Oh, uh, we, we, yeah. we, we've, we've discussed I, fighter planes, and it's a. I'm, I'm a lobotomite, and if I can dodge uh, fighter planes, the, uh, the entire the entire catapult fighter system needs a giant rework. It's terrible. It is, there it was is. a time. There was a time they were they served one purpose, which was if you put them up in advance. The car and the carrier player wandered too close, he would lose some planes. Yes. But now, somewhere along the way, the underlying AI of how they work has all been changed, and they're just pure garbage now. I'm pretty and sure. I, like, I, I, had one, I had one the other day. Uh, I forgot which ship. I put it up. Put it up a good 20 seconds. It was flying, and I got struck, and I was expecting a few plane kills. And it was still oh. circling around me, and the CV turned yeah. around, came back, I, dropped, yeah. and then as it was exiting, my, my consumer yeah. went and struck it. Yeah, it's it. just... They need, they, you know, it's te they're terrible. They got to fix it. I swear they just took like the brains of squirrels and put them <laughs> in the planes. They just don't lock. They, they just don't lock. I, they, I've, I've struck through it in, again, I'm not a good CD player. Um, we, with, but if I can get through it in like a Kaga, <laughs> Look, with, with the advent of things like Soviet line where you can drop outside the range of it, or even the skills like the hack where um, you do the legendary mod and certain build, you, you can um, heal through a CV's fighter squadron and turn around and strike him again. So, like, there are... that's that's actually a very good point with the with the Russian CVs. I can just fucking run your shit from five kilometers away. I don't care about your fighter. Well, imagine, <laughs> yeah, imagine, exactly right. imagine having a fighter on an Italian cruiser. <laughs> And your AA starts well, at 3.5. Yeah. This is, this is one of the reasons. So, <clears throat> in my opinion, I know there's a lot of players that don't like carriers. But in general, in my opinion, the non-Soviet carrier lines, super ships accepted, are really not in terrible place right now. From a game no, no, because they, they, really they have to give up something to do a strike. Exactly. But the Soviet line fundamentally undermines the way the entire AA system in the game is designed. And I don't understand why it was allowed to proceed all the way through testing and that single fundamental sentence, hey guys, 
This entire line ignores the way we've designed our AA system two years ago. Maybe we should look into that. Nobody ever thought about this. Or if it was pointed out, they didn't care. I don't know what the answer is, but I know it's ridiculous. Especially, they, it, especially it's, when like, the line, fixing. especially when the Soviet line can do alpha strikes with it. It's not like yeah. if like, do two planes and so forth. The, in, the entire point of the carrier rework in 2019 was to get rid of the ridiculous alpha strike. So it's, why did we come back two and a half years later and add it back into the game. It's only for one particular nation, mind you. It's only, yeah, it's only one nation, and sometimes you might dump it into the armor belt and do no damage, <laughs> but... Well, look, we're going to talk about the AA, proposed AA mechanic changes. I was just going to say. And, and funny enough, good. they're not going to impact the Soviet line. <laughs> they're, yeah. going to, they're going to ruin everyone else. Griefer, didn't we, uh, didn't we start this podcast off by saying, let's try not to go on tirades about aircraft carriers yeah, well, and submarines? No, but... Yeah, we I'm do just no, 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 no. I haven't. I haven't said. I haven't mentioned. I hate submarines. I haven't blasted. I haven't. I smashed my keyboard on stream yesterday over something. Um, Thanks. Yeah, I think it was due to my team because I won't even go near that one. It happens. Um, but we're going to discuss now. We haven't d done this for a few weeks, but boats we love and hate. We're going to look at tier ten. So, Greeny, what's a boat that you love and one that you hate and why? All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna put this out here, and you guys are gonna laugh at me. All right, but I'm ready for this. I'm a big boy. I'm used to getting laughed at. The boat at tier ten that I've been enjoying the most recently has been Jinan. Uh, really? Uh, yes. I, I, I can understand the HE farms huh. and the deep water torps are more like a DD at thirteen and a half. The the guns are pretty good. Um, it's not a Sejong, so it's not fifteen billion feet tall. Um, and the the arcs just feel better than the Sejong. Uh, the the detectability's nice. Nine point eight for this. Yeah, I'll, I'll walk at DDs with this. That's fine. You know, I'll I'll sit behind an island with this. That's fine. You get the thirteen kilometer torps, however long they are, thirteen and a half. That's great. I throw them out there. I hit something. Maybe I do. Maybe I don't. How many? Time, how I'm many? Away with the guns. How many torps have you eaten in your own smoke? A lot because it doesn't have hydro, and I'm a moron when I'm in smoke. You know the person. You know, you know in those old like Euro videos when they're like, "Don't be an idiot and sit in smoke." I'm in that one, idiot. In, in one puff. I'm the idiot. Who, 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 how many times do we still see DDs pop their smoke in a cap and it's one puff and they sit there and it's like... Jesus, I've been I've been grinding Japanese DDs. I've been grinding the Shima line and the amount of time I've gone in to contest a cap. And then like a Benson sees me. I'm like, oh no. And then the Benson smokes up and then I just TRB the smoke and the Benson fucking gets obliterated. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> but yeah, Jinan... I, I after they gave the Harbin a heal, I was like, I'll come back. I'll try this. I played the Sejong. I boosted the fuck out of it because the Sejong wasn't my favorite. And then I got to the Jinan. And I really enjoy the Jinan. It actually made me consider getting Austin. Even fair though enough. I think the Austin has a worse reload. That's hmm. fair enough. And the boat that you love? Oh no! This is this was the boat. Oh, sorry, the boat that you hate. The boat that you hate. My bad. Um, the boat that I hate, and I honestly wish I could return it, is the Mecklenburg. That ship is terrible. I don't like the Mecklenburg. Sixteen I remember barrels. When we, that ship was about ready to come out, and they gave us, you know, they give us a couple of days' notice as CCs. They're mm. like, okay, the due date, you know, here's the date. You know, you have the ship in your port. Go make some content. 
And I'm, I'm, I think I played six or seven straight games in that boat. I could not get a single moderately decent game out of it. I mean, a lot of the lot, certain players in the chat on the on the American server just you know get it and play it like a conqueror, and that's cool. Oh. But if I wanted to play a conqueror, I'd play conqueror. A conqueror. Yeah, I just go play conk. I mean, why would I play a conqueror with without the big cool super heal and? Actually, the one enjoy the one thing that I have gotten out of this thing in terms of enjoyment is um, it has defensive fire. The Jean or the Mecklenburg? No, the Mecklenburg. Mecklenburg. So you know, a, a CV comes near me. He's like, "Hee hee hoo hoo hoo!" Big German, big German BB. And then I press my my U key, and I just absolutely immolate a squadron because he eats flak. So the one twenty eight, the one twenty eights. I'm pretty sure flak pretty close. Yes. Um, so, you know, that's that's pretty good. And then you get a whole bunch of 50s and 30s, so you just do a shitload of damage. Um, but yeah, concealment's dog shit at 15. Um, so it means you can't do anything sneaky-beaky up the side what, of the map you, or anything. You don't like being um, HE-farmed? No, I've been spoiled by boats like the Incomparable. Um, incomparable. Just, in, incomparable. It's incomparable. <laughs> So, you know, I, I've been spoiled by boats like that, where, you know, you have really good detect and you can play with the play with your food, engage, disengage, stuff like that. It's always nice. And then the Mecklenburg's just a big neon covered, neon light covered piece of shit. And it just shoots HE. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll, I, I just don't like it. The I'll, torps. Sorry. Eh, it has turpets torps, too, I'm pretty sure. So it's not even like uh, it's not even like it has funny haha ha uh, Schlieffentorps. Ah, I just don't like yes. it. Yes, well, I'm, I'm going to be out going on the limb here for a boat that I hate. Um, just because it's boring is bad shit to play. It is the Goliath. Yes, oh. yes, it has a super heal. If you want to get clapped more, you give it reload. But generally, most people give it range, and it takes forever to fire. It is the most dull ship in the line. It is so dull, even in the proposed unique upgrade details that they announced a few weeks ago with all the boats. The Goliath wasn't even included to have a unique upgrade detail. It was left off because it is so dull. I'm glad that Wargaming um, agree with that. Moving on um, to... Sorry, go. I, I, have a, I, I, I enjoy my Goliath. You have brain damage. Yeah, yeah we've established... How long have I talked to you? <laughs> my name on the Discord server is Dicky Minaj. <laughs> I, I'm, I have brain damage. Um, and the, the boat that I love at Tier 10... I, now, th this for me says what a steel ship should be. Like, I look at the Vallejo. I've got 170,000 steel and I still won't buy that. Pit travesty. Um... <laughs> The burger, the Burgonia. Um, oh, yeah, burger's yeah. good. It's got yeah. main battery, reload booster, speed boost. Yeah, the gun's a small caliber, but if you know when to use HE and AP, it is worth every cent of steel that you put into it. Like, that is yeah. a boat I'll happily play in and out. Like I, I got the burger and the mech at the same time because it was after the Puerto Rico grind. Yeah. And I was able to coupon one and then just outright buy the next. Um so fucking happy i bought the burger dude yeah um, I, I tell people if you're going for a steel ship as your first one it, it's because it's so quick you can and the guns reload quick as well you play it like a, a heavy cruiser um, yeah. it's just such a strong boat which boats do you love and hate raptor 
you're in a weird place. I don't play a lot of tier 10, so I'm kind of sitting here looking down the list going, what do I put, you know, like, how do I choose? Um, I, if, if you made me pick a tier 10 that, that I hate, it's probably more than a tier 10 that I don't understand, and that's Sevastopol. I, mm. I, I, I don't understand the purpose of this ship, right? Um, I to, remember to seeing, denude people of research bureau points. That seems to be the its only purpose, right? Is it's like we're gonna we're gonna create something that sucks research research bureau points out of the game, because I mean I like my Siegfried, which seems to be kind of what this ship is based on down at tier nine. Siegfried is a really really good cruiser killer. Those Tirpitz guns on almost cruiser accuracy and dispersion is hilarious. Like yes. you will do fun things with that ship. Sevastopol seems to not have the gun performance and then she has that bizarro crazy long like light heel. hitting heel but lasts forever and then it's kind of like all right well what happens if you if somebody focuses the ship she just dies so like why i don't know i just it's a ship that i don't understand <laughs> i don't understand why it exists i i don't either i i've had a few games with her funnily enough the other day on stream i had a monster game it was like 160 plus four kills and uh, that's a pretty good game but it's everything aligned like things were showing me broadside and as you said the, the gun it's all about the guns even though they're 22 seconds with a reload the guns hit if you know how to aim and it, it just does amazing work but if if it's pushed if it gets rushed you've got no torpedoes you've got no You've got yeah. no DPM because your guns are so slow, so you've got to stay that medium to long range. So it's not going to be a boat that's comfortable with a lot of people. No, you can absolutely get pushed and somebody can get in your face and there's not much you can do about it. Um, if you made me pick one that I've particularly been enjoying, it's been a while, but the last time we were doing Tier 10 Ranked, I was playing a lot of Yoshino and just really enjoying it because it was just brainless. Right? It was, there's not, Yoshino is not a complicated ship to play, right? You throw HE probably 80 plus percent of the time, you fire torpedoes where the battleships are going to sit, and you rack up damage. And sooner or later, something probably dies. If a cruiser screws up in front of you, yeah, you could probably punish him. And then in a ranked situation, I was finding even in the late game, I could actually get away with torpedo charges because it was only six on six. So, Ordinarily, charging somebody in a Yoshino just gets you dead. But when there's fewer ships to shoot at you, hey, you can make this work. And the, the, so a, I, the I IP really on the Yoshino is really, really nice as well. Yes, absolutely. So yeah, I, if you made me pick a tier 10 ship, that I that, that would probably be my uh, my most recent pick because I I had a lot of fun ranked, a lot of fun playing that ship in the tier 10. I, ranked I, I nearly would ago. I nearly would have put money down that you would have picked the Hindenburg. Um. Hindi hasn't aged well. I still love the ship. I will always love Hindenburg. But that's a ship that just has not aged well. Um, I kept hoping the unique upgrade would do something for it, and it kind of really hasn't in my mind. It, no, it doesn't. Um, you go to eight-second fires, but you're never yeah. really getting HE spammed at. You've got to play yeah, it from 18 Ks. Yeah. Nobody fires HE at Hindenburg. They fire AP at because you're going to take full pins from just about anything that shoots at you. So... The, pro the, the armor scheme on Hindi is excellent, but the proliferation of 18-plus-inch guns at Tier 10 has basically meant that the ship is just not as good as it used to be, right? And that started with Republic and has only gotten worse since then. It so has. It really it's, has. It's, it's a ship that I, that I still love, I still enjoy, and honestly, I haven't played it in a while. But when I do play it, it just feels... It doesn't feel as good as it used to because... 
you just can't take hits like you could you could once upon a time. Well, that's fair enough. That is fair enough. Now, this week we had a dev blog announcement. It's to the AA mechanic changes. This is obviously in that testing, but to summarize it is that they're going to change the way the ship's AA interacts with an attack squadron. As the attack squadron comes in, your AA is going to hit the attack squadron rather than the trailing group. And if a plane goes down in that attack squadron of two or three or six in the Soviet case, um, previously when a plane went down, one from the reserve would come in and fill its spot. But that won't happen anymore. So if you take out the attack squadron, the player can't F out. They have to cycle around to hit you. I, I actually think this is a pretty big change. Unless I have misread that, what, what do you gentlemen think about this AA mechanic interaction change? Go ahead, Green. I want to hear what you think. Wow that that doesn't that doesn't get said often. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm at a loss for words. I I I don't do a lot of reading of the dev blogs just simply because I've kind of learned and seen that a lot of the times this stuff kind of changes. Yeah, this is a proposed um, change, so they're going to test yeah. it. So this this. I think it's too, well, this is me, sorry, Greeny. I think it's too powerful that it puts the power back onto surface vessels and planes, like a hack, for example. If he loses his two tall bomber planes going in, he won't get a drop off and he has to cycle around and hit from the other side. Oh, yeah, that's, that's fucked. Um, yeah, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know about stuff like that because, I mean, ugh. From, if, if I'm on the carrier end, I think that that's going to be infuriating to deal with because flak and uh, you know the the AA damage done by like you know your smaller things that don't flak out uh, is eh, I I just don't I just don't like how it's going to just wipe random planes. Now if I'm on the surface ship, I I love it, <laughs> I love it because it, it's great because the CV I I get to. You know, I get the chance that the CV doesn't interact with me. That's that's great. But I think overall, I, I it's going to need some more work. It's going to need some more uh, thought put into it. Just to clarify, because I did ex do the cut from the excerpt from the blog, um, your damage will go to the attacking squadron and what they've termed as the rest. So um, it will be random. It's not set. So your flak or continuous damage could do some to the attacking squadron or to the summoning reserve. But if you do do damage to the attacking units and they actually lose a plane, a plane won't automatically join that formation for that strike. Now, I think that is a pretty pretty good change. Hmm. For me, there's things that I like and things that I don't like. Um, as as Green mentioned, as a surface ship player, this feel this has the potential to feel really good, right? What's the what's the big complaint? We always hear from players when they talk I, about their A. Why I didn't do anything. You didn't well, do yeah. anything until after it, the strike and maybe well, the plane right. or two. The AA, here's the thing. The AA did do something. It just didn't do something to the strike that was coming in on you at the moment. It did something to the strike that you didn't take later on because you yeah. blew enough planes away. Right? So, so AA, and the, at the moment, the way AA interaction generally works against non-Soviet carriers, and we have to put them in a, in a box and treat them differently, is that it it 
has the potential, potentially, to, to, you know, inflict catastrophic damage on planes as they enter your bubble. But as they get closer in, the damage that you're doing is really more about preventing follow-up strikes as opposed to preventing the strike that's coming in on you right now. So what they're proposing is that there is a possibility that some of that damage applies on the strike that is coming, that is targeting you. And so as a surface ship player, that will make your AA feel like it made an impact, right? So that'll feel good. The thing that, and the, the reason my response was uh, so shit is I found more Cayman Jacks to drink. So I just figured <laughs> I'd put that out there. But um, I, yeah, I, when you look at it that way, you're, you're hitting the nail on the head. Because currently, you're, you're entirely right. You, you can do damage to the squadron, but you're shooting down the upcoming strikes, not the strike that you're currently dealing with. Exactly. And I think that if you change the, the, the way that the damage is spread out, just to also include the two uh, a strike aircraft or three strike aircraft, whatever, however many strike aircraft it is, um, and those can get shot down and not replenished, I think that that is going to be very bad in terms of certain CVs. It, it, would, it would hurt something like the Saipan terribly. Yeah. That has low, low number again, of planes. Yeah, they're tier 10, but they're, they're fragile planes, and not Kaga, getting a strike yeah. through would hurt it. Like, yeah. Kaga, Kaga won't care. Cool. Yeah. We killed, so we I killed think, more of my pilots. I don't care. I think, I think there is... So I think that that's one of the impacts that I think, if, if I'm wargaming, that I think you have to, long-term you have to realize that if you do this, now you have a lot, there, there are probably a subset of carriers in the game, and I think you hit on j- j- the Japanese line in general, certainly the torpedo planes and Saipan as two, two easy examples. There's probably some other ones that you have to consider, okay, two plane strikes is no longer going to do okay. Like, that's just not going to work anymore. Hmm. So that's, that's a balancing thing that if this, something like this goes through, you have to, you have to spend the time, more time fixing something else. So that's something to consider. Um, one of the things that I really don't, so as a, as a surface ship player, I read this and I go, yeah, I love slaughtering planes, right? I love killing planes in World of Warships. Something like this makes me very happy. Air defense However, expert makes me smile every time I hear that. Yeah, every time. But one of the things that I don't like about it is the RNG aspect. Since the rework, the AA rework, not the carrier rework, the AA rework that was about six months behind the carrier mechanics, AA has not been RNG-based. AA is a math equation. My AA does X damage to your planes. It's going to take me this long to kill planes, and so on and so forth. It's, it's a quantifiable, tangible thing. You know what you're getting. In the old AA system, it was literally RNG as to whether or not the plane died or not. They took that out. Now it's math. I like this better because it means my AA feels and performs more consistently. Excellent. Now you're going to tell me we're putting RNG back into it. I'm not a big fan. Even if that RNG, I understand that the RNG has the potential to benefit me as the surface ship player, but I still don't like it as much because you have no control. I just, I just don't like the RNG aspect of it, right? I, I still, I still think like this is a proposed change, and I know, I know we've discussed this. I know lots of other people have. Def AA. If, if you have it, if you popped it, it should make an enemy CV's attack strike go out to the maximum bloom, torpedo run reticle, um, as long as your AA's up. Like, that, that would be make 
because def AA for me at the moment, other than doing a bit more priority and a little bit more percent, is a useless skill. Like I will take anything else bar that. See, we disagree on that. I take it all the time, and I love it. I love having it. But I'm with you. I think that this the, the secondary effect of impacting the reticle needs to come back. Now I don't know. I don't know how it needs to come back. There's a lot of different ways you can address it, right? You can say the reticle can't drop below a certain size. You could say the reticle now takes twice as long to, to narrow down, something like that. You know, However you do it, I feel like planes flying through a defensive AA fire bubble, that reticle needs to be impacted in some fashion. And in my mind, there's some testing to, done, to be done to figure out what that should be. But that's the best answer, in my opinion. I think that that would be good because, I mean, it, it, it makes sense from a surface ship perspective uh, in, in terms of the interaction. And it also makes sense from a carrier perspective because uh, if somebody's shooting a, an Orlikin at me, I'm probably not going to drop my bomb exactly. where I was going to mm -hmm. if there was, you know, less Orlikin shooting at me. Yeah, because the uh, defensive AA is meant to be a, a focusing of your fire. Like, yeah. it's meant to really dissuade the strike and the, the, other than increasing your your numbers of damage and your priority and so forth it really doesn't do much other than that like there's, there's no other implication and i, I won't even get done. started i won't even get started on hybrid ships you can wipe all out half a squadron and they come back yeah. two minutes later all defensive fire does is it changes the math that's all it does it gives your it it boosts the math in your favor for a, for a period of time. Well, not in your favor, but it gives your math makes your math numbers bigger, right? So while the planes are flying around your AA bubble, your A is hitting them harder than it did without it. That's all it is. And see, I'd only it's take def AA in a if I'm in a div with the CV. For, for me, there are there are times where you do ten games and you won't see a single CV, and there are times where you get a CV. Well, except if you're in a Friesland, I could play twelve games, get a double CVs every game. I take a Friesland, I'll never see a CV. But here's the thing: if you took defensive fire on a ship and you didn't see a carrier, are you really upset? If if I yeah, had to take hydro, hydro, yeah. And that, that, see, this is okay. Now, see, this is. I, I understand people people's mentality here, right? I I'll, get I'll just it, say, I'll just I say, just, with the advent of submarines, I say hydro's much more useful to take. Fair. That's that. Okay. Now there, that's an That's an, a new variable in the equation that I have not been, not really been considering on my stance. But my stance on defensive AA for years has been: if you took defensive fire and there's a carrier in the game, you're happy. You've got that little oh shit button or that little that little cover my ass button when he decides he wants to come play in your area. If you took defensive fire and there's not a carrier in your game, are you really upset? There's not a carrier in your game, right? So that's, I mean, so many people, they, they, they have this visceral, just like almost pathological loathing of carriers as a class, but they don't take defensive fire. I don't understand that. It's like, if you hate the class, take defensive fire. If it's not there, you win. If they are there, you win. You're happy either way, right? Learn to, learn to deal without... I mean, if there's a ship that, you know, you just absolutely feel like you have to have hydro on, I mean, I, I get it, but, like, I don't... I don't know. If you could take defensive fire on a ship and the AA is good, take it. That's what. That's my philosophy. I do it all the time. I love defensive fire. That's fair enough. 
I still just always take hydro because it lets me see the danger danger triangles. Unless that's unless, unless you're in Janan and then you have def AA and no hydro. Yeah, so, yeah, and, and then I just have crying. So and there are ships that I do take hydro in, but here's my thing. If I have the choice between defensive fire and hydro, and there's a carrier in the game and I can't shoot down his planes, I look at that as well, I had the opportunity to take something that would help, and I didn't. That's on me. Right. That, that that is look. I, I understand your point of view definitely from there, and th yeah. there have been times where I, I regret not having def AA, but I, I've personally found hydro a lot more consistent, and that's why I generally go with that. It's it's like the fighter consumable. I'll take spotter now over the fighter oh, yeah. consumable any time. I can't make that comparison just because fighter is so garbage, right? <laughs> Fighters. I mean, if I if I have to, if I only get a fighter, great. I take a fighter. But if I get a choice between fighter and spotter, I'm taking spotter He's because a, the he, fighters are trash. Didn't now. they also change it so that fighters can't spot anymore? Um, I thought they started. Or, or was it was like torpedoes or something? Yeah, I no, think it, it was the torpedoes. It was the torpedoes. There was a time. Remember, you remember there was a time in this game that all airplanes spotted yeah, all torpedoes. torpedoes. That, that was all glorious. Oh my god, that was stupid as a destroyer. I hated that crap. I've, I've got a question for you for you, Def AA. Have you ever taken the the upgrade module that increases your duration for your Def AA? I take it all the time. All See, the time. You talk actually, about the one in slot three? Yeah, slot two or slot three? Yeah. I take it all the time. I love I, that. I've I love that upgrade. I've never used it. I take it, it all the time. And here's why. Here's what people don't here's what people underestimate, right? They complain about how quickly the player, the, 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 the carrier can bring planes back to you. Okay, reasonable. But here's the thing. What happens when my defensive fire is up for, for 55 or 60 seconds and has a cooldown of under 60 seconds, right? I have a very long uptime and a very short cooldown. It's very possible to do that on a ship like, uh, a, like a Wooster or a Gearing or a Fletcher, where you can take that upgrade and, you're, and by the time you get done stacking that upgrade and the captain's skill and the flags, your defensive fire is up, I think, for 56 seconds and has a cooldown of, like, 48. I, I do admit there is, there is one boat I build for AA, and I did that for the Rochester. Um, yep. And she's got some great AA. I've never taken... I might yep. do, I might put that on the kid or even the Helen just as a meme and go with the CV and see what yep. that does with the def yep. AA. I, I love doing it. And then I... And because... It not only does it, it almost always will surprise the carrier how quickly you can recycle that, but it also in certain ships and right and again it's all about how you position your ship in the game you're playing. But I've been able to use that to, to help defend my teammates, right? Like I want to keep this guy on my left on my port side alive. I'm going to cycle this damn defensive fire as fast as I can to keep the carrier from killing him. If you're in randoms, no matter what you do, see Raptor, he's going to sail out broadside after you do that and get clapped. You're not wrong. You'll die eventually, <laughs> but I do try. I do try. I try to be a good teammate. I don't always succeed. Yeah, yeah. Like it's it's like when you smoke up your BB. That's on two thousand health. He's just gone dark and you smoke and he's got a heal in ten seconds. You can see by the mod. And what does he do? He fires his guns in smoke and then he dies. And then he blames you. <laughs> you should have spotted for me, DD. Stupid DD. Why no spots? Stupid DD. And now we're going to move on to something a little bit different. Um, see, Raptor, we've asked this, we haven't asked this for a little while, but it, it, the segment's called The Dreamboat. Have you ever had a dream about World of Warship Sea Raptor? God, probably. <laughs> probably? Uh, Wait a minute. <laughs> Who can remember this stuff? Right? Like, oh. okay, do you, I don't remember all my dreams. Are you kidding I, me? I've remembered every single dream I've ever had, but that's just because I've had two dreams. No. And one oh, of them no, was about I, warships. I, 
No. I definitely don't have that problem. But I know that like when I like when I watch a movie or I play a lot of game like I play a lot of a game and I like I like fixate on it, I absolutely will dream about it. Yeah. Now I don't remember what I did. Where do you, but I remember waking up going, Oh yeah, like I had a Warcraft dream last night or I had a Warships dream last night, but I don't remember what it was, right? Um I, I think the closest thing to that is whenever I paint my Warhammer minis, um, I always listen to the, there's always like Warhammer background music. Nice. So it's like just, you know, it's just like, you know, rhythmic chanting and like slight kind of gothic-esque music going. And there's been times where I've like woken up and the first thing flowing through my brain is that type of stuff. And yeah. that's really weird because I wake up and I'm like, I just, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in my boxes in my bed. Why, why do I hear like the emperor protects in my ear? What the fuck's going on? Help me. Am I going crazy? Yes, you are. Well, yes, again, that's besides the point. We've been over this twice this episode. <laughs> but yeah, that's that enough. I can see. But the two, I've remembered exactly two of my dreams, and one of them was a white void with a mailbox on it with a blue birthday balloon, and it wasn't my birthday. So that's the only dream I've remembered. Fair enough. That's, that's weird. Fair enough. That is weird. Yeah. We'll, we'll leave Greeny to his bad clown dreams all to himself. Yeah, sorry. I don't have much with that one. That's okay. I told, I told my psychology teacher about that, and he was like, yeah, I, that either means you're a sociopath or you're just sleeping really deeply. I'm like, all right, I'm let's, let's just, go with deeply. Let's go with yep, deeply. deeply sleeping. Now, um, moving on through the agenda, because we've been discussing a lot of really good things. I'm got, wait, someone actually also asked, why don't we have more unique commanders in the game? There, there are a plethora of historical commanders or from every nation that probably have had sterling service um, that we could add to the game. Like some of the... Like, there are plenty of US ones that we could have. There's plenty of Germans. I, I put a note here um, uh, We have, for Germany, even for a submarine. Um, you could have Gunther Prien, the submarine commander that penetrated the British um, defences in 39 to sink the Royal Oak battleship, and he escaped. Um, like, even if he only has one perk, maybe that's as he hits... BB, he could do more torpedo damage with to get against BBs or something. Do you think we should be getting more commanders and across for different different consumables? They don't all have to be broken, like Kuznetsov or Cunningham and all that. Because I think sometimes the proc um, Halsey or Yamamoto is so specific, like First Blood or Kraken or get a Confederate or Double Strike. That, those are more, well, Confederates, not as bad. But the Yamamoto one is pretty hard to get that Thumbs consistently. Up. I... I'm going to go first here because this allows me to run my mouth from a historical perspective. I want Ching Lee. I want Augustus Lee. Please put him in the game. Please put him in the game. I want him as a unique commander. I've wanted him since the dawn of time. Please put him in the game. What, I perk, think that what be... perk would he have? Um, or what what, the, what captain attribute would he buff? The, the comedian in me wants to say he has a buff against Congo-class battleships. Um... But I don't know if that's going to be, you know. Oh, that's very specific. Yes, that's too, that's too specific. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I think it would have to be Gunnery because he was well known f for many things, but he was very, very, very stringent when it came to naval gunnery on his ships. So would um, that be with marksman rotating his yeah. guns quicker? Yeah. Yeah, it'd, it'd probably be that, and then 
I don't know, maybe do something, get a dispersion buff or a range buff, kind of like Squancinetti or whatever his name is. Oh, he's, he's um, pretty broken for the Italians as well. Oh, dude, I love Squancinetti on my Columbo. Holy shit. But I, I, I think something like that would be good. Um, I, I think a German, the German U-boat commander would be very nice, as much as I don't like submarines. Uh, I, I, I think a lot of just historical commanders who fit that kind of bill in terms of they did something notable um e even if you know they're not a household name i i still think that it is i still think that it'd be very nice but yeah ching lee tops my list for that uh augustus lee mr lee i would love to have more unique commanders um i think you won't because they've made the perk system very very strong and so the, the more of those, the more of those kinds of commanders you have, the more difficult it becomes to balance ships. That's um, very true. Because and so, you, you could have like three American commanders, but if they all do the same thing, it doesn't mean anything. But yeah. if you also have three American commanders that are unique, they're probably going to cover a lot of the bases you're going to, you know, kind of right. have right. with ships. And, so, and it's, it's an unfortunate side effect, I think, of how the commander skill system works in World of Warships PC. The Legends system, as I understand it, is very different. And uh, there are times that I've, based on what I've seen, that I, uh, you know, videos I've watched on YouTube, and whatever, I look at the Legends system and I think, I wish we had, I almost wish we had this on PC. Because I think it would be more, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? More inviting? More accommodating for this kind of thing. I, um, I'll, I'll have to look that up. I, I didn't even know they had a different one. I'm going to watch a few videos. And yeah, the Legends... We can, we can the, discuss that in future. The commander system on, for Legends on, on, on console is very different. It's not the same... It's not the system we use on PC. Now, with that said, I would love to have more unique commanders. And again, I know nobody's a big fan of submarines, but I one of the reasons that I am a World War II history nerd is because I fell in love with the stories of the American uh, silent service in the Pacific in World mm. War II. So guys like Mush Morton and Dick O'Kane and Red Ramage and Gene Flucky um, and you know the Medal of Honor winners out of the, out of the submarine service in, in World War II in the Pacific, like I love I love reading their stories. If you were to give me those guys as commanders in this game, I'd be all over it. But I think from a balance perspective, it's, you know, he's trying to give them all unique perks and unique things that they do becomes a real nightmare. It does. And like, I know some of the, even the ones you get for gold, it might give you one or two, sometimes two, but I, I think sometimes that could be just be one perk and it could be just small. It doesn't have to be hit points. I, you I know, it, it could be something like that. He served on the submarine, so his battery consumable might last 5% more or something. It, it doesn't have to be a massive, massive broken thing, but I think it would be good to get these commanders. Maybe maybe Wargaming have to get permissions from family. I don't know what it takes to get um, historical figures into the game, so True. there could be I don't things think we're unaware of. I think for just using the name, I don't think there's anything there. I think if they want to use the likeness or the image, that probably does require permission. That's that's speculative, though. I don't actually know that. Yeah, I, I'll I'll call I'll call and, and ask him. You know, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> like, let me let me just get let me just get Halsey on the phone right now. Because if the photos I suppose were public service or publicly taken, you probably can't. That's get the away. trick, right? Well, they, yeah. Some of these guys have got pictures in the Library of Congress because they were they were American sailors on on active duty. So I mean, I don't know that necessarily it's a thing, but it might be. I don't know. 
and not only unique commanders i'd love to see more unique boats like yeah that's premium but like we we talked about probably 10 or 12 um, podcasts ago but the uss o'bannon the fletcher class destroyer that lobbed um, potatoes at a japanese submarine because it couldn't um it couldn't rotate its guns that I, low I, I'd love to have that in the game, even with a potato skin. Like I, some unique boats would be awesome. Like that, that would have a comedic aspect to it. I think that I, I mean, I kind of already have a solution to, to that issue because there's a lot of sub ships or there's a lot of ships in, in classes that people enjoy. Uh, and I think that it would be now th- th- this is going to be a little weird. So bear with me. But I think that it would be nice if you could change the name of the ship, not the model, just the name. So, for instance, a North Carolina can go to a Washington, you know, something like that. That, that would get that would get abused. That would get abused. People would come up with mean names. No, no, it would only be ships from that class. Yeah. If you Not, can find it to like a drop down list of yeah. oh yeah yeah so so I could yeah 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 I'm not saying you can take the Colorado and rename it to like the shit fuck nine thousand yeah okay so like, I could take the Admiral yeah. Hipper and rename it to the Blue Show or something like yeah, that yeah yeah something like that little little drop down granted hundred and seventy five Fletchers is probably going to you know take up all of the game <laughs> files so we it's might not have my to do problem. S- we might I want to, them all. Give them, give them all to me. Some limiting there. Give them all to me. I will not rest until all 175 Fletchers are represented in World of Warships. Oh my God. We're, we're, we're getting there. We're starting to get there as a small. I love Fletchers. What, it's such what a good the five? There's only 170 to go. Let's make it happen. <laughs> 170 but premium I, I, Fletchers. I think that that would be that would be good. I think that'd be a good way to satiate people who want. Um, uh, different, you know, ships in the game. Like uh, I used to listen to the old World of Warships podcast with Venisera and um, Kami Samurai. Miss those guys. Oh, uh, me too. But you know, Venisera really, really, really wanted the Washington, and I think that there is, there's already essentially Washington in the game. Why can't I just change the text and make it Washington? Yeah, you know that. That's I think that would be a massive. They, they they probably they probably issue. don't want to do that because that limits them selling the boat as a rebadged premium in the future. That's fair. Uh, that kind of popped into my head with Colorado. You know, I, yes and no, right? Because here's the thing. Let's assume for a minute that the idea was you have a little drop down menu that you choose the name of your ship from a historically appropriate ship name out of that class. But then later on, Wargaming decides, well, you know. Rather than make USS Johnston a, a choosable Fletcher ship, we're going to sell that ship as a premium. They just take her name off the drop-down list for the for the, the tech tree ship and sell it as a premium. Yeah, the, but then you're going to have all the people who don't want to buy the premium ship going, I already yeah, have it. I want <laughs> my Johnston that, back. That, that would have to be a caveat. If, if they did that, that would have to be a caveat. Who cares? <laughs> I like the way you think, C-Raptor. <laughs> <Let> me- <laughs> that was... That was what I was saying internally, but I didn't know how that I am, I am I am old I am old enough to have reached a point in my life where I know that I'm not no one like, people are never gonna you're never gonna please hundred percent of the people. No, you so won't. just don't try. <laughs> just stop trying. <laughs> you definitely will never please everyone, especially in an online game like this with um But yeah, I think that that would be good for obviously, you know, like the sh- ship classes that actually exist, you know, existed. I think that that would be cool. Or even even ships like the Ibuki Classic Cruisers, where there's a few laid, there's a few that were going to be laid down and they had names. 
I think that that would be interesting. Well, you're going to have more artificial reef Ibuki class cruisers. Yeah. Well, no, yeah, that's the, I mean, well, they're all just going to explode the same, so I don't care what the name is. And and I know what the Ibuki looks like, so it's easy for me to see it in a, in a you know, in this, in the lineup, which is something that I also kind of thought up that people who aren't as, like, well-versed in naval history might see exact you know a uss johnson and be like well that's not a fletcher because it's not named fletcher yeah uh, yeah and yeah. and again i'm gonna i'm gonna fall back on what sea raptor said uh i don't care yeah uh, the, the <laughs> ship outline the ship outlines the same there you go there is that so it's, it's a weirdly unique problem that we have in this game that no other wargaming title has isn't it right there weren't there weren't i mean yeah, people put names on ships and tanks, but I mean on planes and tanks, but they weren't named that when they were launched and built and crewed and yes. it's it's different. It's different for ships, isn't it? Very no, much. No, I so. want I want all 75,000 different Sherman names in the in World <laughs> of Tanks. <laughs> you thought your 175 right. Fletchers were bad. Give me all like 75,000 of my serial numbers. <laughs> Now, Greeny, before we move on to our history segment, do you have any competitions for code giveaways this week? Yes, I was finding, I was trying to find an area to slide this in, but the conversation flowed so naturally, I didn't want to derail it. <laughs> but now I'm just going to say this and I'll say this once. Um, Griefer sent me uh, a billion codes. So message me. Please message. I have too many codes. I feel like a used car salesman. I have to get rid of them. All codes must go. All Everything codes must, must go. go. I'm not going to throw in a microwave if you get a code, but maybe if you're nice and you DM me a cool ship fact back, maybe you'll get another code. I don't know. I'm a benevolent god. Um, but I have six codes that need to go this week. So get back to me ASAP. And the question I'm going to ask is, which of the Crown Colony cruisers were shipped, or were, were not shipped, were gifted or transferred to the Peruvian Navy. And if you want a bonus code, you can answer this follow-up question. How many main battery guns, not secondary, main battery guns did that ship have? There you go. There's two questions. I don't want people DMing me saying it's too hard. <laughs> I open up Wikipedia. Just do that, please. In the, in the age of Wikipedia and Google. In the age of Wikipedia. I'm not asking you how many nuts and bolts were in the door to the to the gallery. You know? I it's because eh. I had somebody DM me, they were like, how am I supposed to know how many boilers are on an Iowa class battleship? Well, I looked at it on Wikipedia. So say, uh, I, I, I did a Google search and found an answer in fifteen twelve seconds. What, what, what's your yeah. problem? Oh, yeah, I, I can't I can't say that, but <laughs> I I thought it. The, the age of internet has really changed. I used to run competitions, and this segues where I took a random photo of a ship or a historic moment in history, and I'd say the first one to answer correctly would get a prize. And then I learned after that, if somebody posts my picture into a Google image search, it tells them where they source it from, where I sourced it from, and the name of the picture. So people knew straight away who knew how to use Google. I'm like, it's just so easy nowadays for, pe for people rather than looking things up. It's it's funny because we, we're in a weird kind of like gap because we have people who are immeasurably stupid, but we have so much of the world, you know, 
at, at our fingertips and in our pockets for most of us. You know, like uh, it, it amazes me the, the, the age of information, the age of technology, how both advanced and cavemanic we can be. It's impressive, isn't it? As humanity has gotten to the point where we are now more communicative with each other than ever and now have more of human history and human knowledge available at our fingertips simultaneously, we are now more disconnected and collectively dumber than we ever have been. That is true. It's only going to get like, worse. I, like the day I showed my grandfather that you could do more on the internet than like order bike parts on eBay. It you, 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 didn't ta- you didn't take him to Red Tube, did you? Or, or look at cat photos? No, it wasn't cat photos because I just okay. showed him YouTube. Because he, because my my grandfather strips and rebuilds motorcycles that he okay. he finds and buys. So you know he's constantly he needs a part for. You he's know, always looking for old parts. Sure, he's always looking for old parts. And my mom showed him eBay, and he's just lived on eBay. He's like he has the five star rating on eBay. He yep. sells everything. He does it perfectly. He buys stuff. It's great. And then I was down there one time, and he was like, "Well, Mike, how are you watching TV?" I'm like, "I'm on YouTube. This isn't TV." And he's like, "What's YouTube?" I'm like, "Oh." How can you, how can you work eBay? I didn't even know eBay was still running, and here you are running a miniature empire out of it, and you didn't know what YouTube was. And then I showed him what YouTube was, and he didn't leave the couch for two days. I think he watched drag racing videos. Alone. <laughs> he was like, "Well, what do you watch on there?" I'm like, "It's the it's videos. Anybody can post videos here, so you can, anything you want, you can find." He's like, "Are you sure?" I'm like, "If I can find a." 45 minutes of some dude rambling about superchargers on World War II aircraft, I'm pretty sure you can find something that you're interested in. Yep. YouTube is the ultimate nerd hub because for years, nerds had to go to conventions, various, whatever the topic was, anime, comic books, car, whatever. They had to go to conventions to find people that shared their passion. Now they don't anymore. Yeah, um, now I can get disappointed by Warhammer decisions from the very comfort of my home. I don't exactly. have to go to a store. Not ever, like, to, not ever, no, right there while you're sitting on the toilet, yeah. right? It's amazing. I'm not like, going like, to ask where you I, put a screen up in your place, so you're <laughs> Oh my God, he's got a TV in every room. No, but I mean, come on. Everybody takes their phone to the toilet with them. I'm just saying. So oh, yeah, you know. I just play Clash of Clans like a normal person. Well, there you go. Yeah, but uh, anyway, moving on. Moving on. We're looking... We had... Yes. Go green. Sorry. This is kind of my thing, even though I did nothing to write it this week because I had a a mind-bogglingly difficult week at school. I'm going to steal your glory, Green. That's okay. Go for it. All right. The Battle of Toronto. Not Canada, because I had to preface that when I explained this to one of my friends. Not Toronto, Canada. Not Canada. Toronto. Toronto. Yup. Hashtag not Canada. Yup. But this was actually a kind of like a Pearl Harbor before Pearl Harbor. Not the not to you know lighten Pearl Harbor, but you know this this was a use of um, all aircraft. It, well, it was the first actually all aircraft assault on naval vessels. Um, of course, it was the British because they always fight dirty. Um, but it was Admiral Cunningham and um, I think it was two aircraft carriers. One wasn't it? Oh, wasn't it was it? just illustrious. Oh, I thought it was Ark Royal and illustrious. Okay, no. 
Um, and they they launched a whopping twenty-one fairy swordfish biplane torpedo bombers because for the first three years of the war, those things were more deadly than a BF one hundred and nine. They took out more <laughs> ships than anything else with biplane torpedoes. There should be a statue of one of those in Trafalgar Square, huh? <laughs> oh my god. I think, on a little bit of a side tangent here, I think the aircraft the most kills during the Second World War is the PBY Catalina. And that was well, just they, dropping fucking depth charges. Depth charges, yep. You're probably right. You're probably right. It's funny because you'll see, oh my god, the BF-109 was the most deadly aircraft. No, it was the P-51. And then you just see this tub of shit two-engine fucking biplane. There you go. Or the monoplane with fucking a boat hull. Ugh. Love the PBY. But yeah, it was a preemptive strike by the British on a docked Italian fleet which is very, very interesting. There was a lot of damage done to the Italian ships because the Italian Navy during the Second World War just kind of couldn't really get a dub. Um, The Conte de Cavour had a fucking massive hole blown in the hull because uh, torpedoes are very dangerous to capital ships. Not like World of Warships where you take like 2,000 damage in your little fucking piddly-ass flood. Not, not to mention that the, the port of Taranto was deemed a shallow water port. So it's like Pearl Harbor, um, the torps, torpedoes had to run shallow from their drop planes. Yeah. If, if memory serves, after this... As, as, so as I recall, the, the, the idea for Pearl Har- the Pearl Harbor attack had already been kind of percolating and formulating in, in the IJN when this occurred. But if, I'm, if, if my memory is correct, the Japanese Navy sent uh, people to Toronto after this, to Toronto after this battle to ask questions and they learn did, about yes. how it had been done. Yes, they did. Yeah. I'm just picturing a whole bunch of Japanese dignitaries showing up to the harbor. And seeing like fucking fifteen sunk vessels and just being like, "All right, uh, other we're than, here to learn." Other, other than being learn. in was... the um, Comintern, oh, not the Comintern. That I forgot the name of the pact, uh, the Japan's uh, the Axis Pact. Um, they, tripartite. They, tripartite. That's it. They they weren't a belligerent other than against China, so they they could travel to Italy or through Turkey yes. or other countries. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they're they're the main the three main big hits that were scored with the Conte de Cavori, which had a 39-foot by 26-foot hole blown in the hull. That you can hole. drive like semis through that. That's a, <laughs> yeah. that's a tunnel, just to put that into perspective. I, because that, that's another problem. Whenever people are going through World War II drawings, they look at like damage maps. They see they're like, oh, that's you know, not that. That's a small black dot where that damage is. That can't be that bad. And But you forget the ship's like fucking 700 feet long. So... But yeah, a, a, a massive hole blown in the side of the ship. And they actually didn't get permission to ground her in time. So she kind of just sunk. And um, she lost 27 men, unfortunately. And then they, the only parts of her uh, that were above the water were the superstructure and the, and the turrets. Um, they, they, did a, they, they did that. Were able to refloat her. Oh, yeah. But um, still kind of undergoing repairs till the end of the war, so that, that just hurt gone. Now, the uh, Dulio 
at a smaller hole, you know, uh, only 36 feet by 23 feet, <laughs> <laughs> you could still drive a semi truck through that. Um, but it, that one, unfortunately, did running aground. Lutorio, I think, also caught some torpedoes. Is that right? Three torpedoes in total. Boy, they. And then the, the pulley. Oh, I can never pronounce this um, torpedo protection system. The Puglies? Puglies? Pug- All I remember is that Puglies, I think. I don't remember. Something like that. I just remember. I just call it the barrel uh, torpedo defense system because it was, if I remember correctly, it was a flooded, essentially, compartment with a barrel. Uh, in it that was full of air, and the whole design was to absorb the concussion by just having it crush that uh, barrel. That I don't know. Right. I don't know. It's a, uh, Italy did a whole bunch of things during the Second World War that were both very, very interesting and, and oh, very, very unique. And just, just some, for, of the, some of them were. Just for context, this strike wasn't in one go. It was two strikes over two nights. These were nighttime strikes by the British. And they did it two oh, nights in a row. Imagine getting your back blown out twice. <laughs> Forgot it was two days in a row. Rude. Leap to the Brits. <laughs> oh, no. It's not like the Italian didn't have defenses. So, um, the, well, the figures, the tallies, it is from Wikipedia. Um, about 13,500 shells were fired from land batteries, while several thousand were fired from the ship. So, and there were anti anti-aircraft balloons up there so they had a lot of anti-aircraft up they did have searchlights because these were night strikes but they, they, it, you're, it, you're also you're also forgetting this they were uh they also had 87 barge balloons but strong winds caused the loss of 60 of them <laughs> <laughs> Oops. So they just lost like three Macy's uh, Thanksgiving Day parades for the barge balloons. (laughs) You've got to take take this in context. That is from Wikipedia. It's not like I have another source or the uh, diary of it, but um, it's been noted that the commanding officer for HMS Illustrious or Illustrious stated in in the after action report that the enemy, even though they had searchlights available, did not use them at all during either of the night attacks. Mm. I think that would it's, have made it very hard to hit the planes when you can't spot them. Especially were you spotting planes. them by, like, their exhaust? Like, what? I, uh, I don't know. But you got the searchlights. The planes would have had to come in low. So if, if you could even spot a general formation, two planes per ship and land-based searchlights, one of them would eventually come a, across the plane and your guns would actually target a better... It nearly seems counterintuitive not to use the equipment and resources that you have available. Yeah, that's kind of, I mean, because again, how are you expecting anti-aircraft gunners to spot aircraft at night without extensive searchlight use? You're not, I'm going to go out on a limb here and assume that there wasn't any semblance of like a central uh, air search radar. And, you know, this wasn't like modern systems where the air search radar feeds information or even actually later World War II systems where a air search radar feeds information to uh, anti-aircraft positions. I assume that this was just a whole bunch of like Italian guys just who kind of set up their anti-aircraft guns wherever they wanted and just kind of were having at it. Because anti-aircraft uh, defenses at the beginning of the war were uh, interesting. But the work yeah. in progress, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, it, it's weird that they didn't use the searchlight to kind of highlight everything. 
But um, I think the con- the two Conte de Cavori's were last or were lost. The the Dulio and the Cavor. Well, yeah, they both had mammoth sized holes blown in them. Um, but I'm I'm pretty sure Latorio. Yeah, Latorio was repaired with all assets available and was fully operational again within four months. Yeah, she was a modern battleship though. Oh yeah, no, the the Latorios are pretty pretty good. So you know they kind of gotta bring them back into. Uh, into active service to adequately deal with the British presence in the Mediterranean. I, I did laugh <laughs> to read that two unexploded bombs hit the cruiser Trento. It's like, that feels like it's in this game. Like, you're not even... Doesn't it, though? It's, it's like you, you, you're sitting near someone dark and someone shoots at your battleship and suddenly you're taking shells from... What the hell? Yeah. Uh, it was it was an interesting. It was well, it was a, a successful strike. Um, Cunningham wanted to do a third night of strikes, but the um, weather forestalled him. And you'd think though he did all this damage with twenty planes. So even though they had twenty one available, they did twenty. They kept some of the other. Oh, planes. They, they held the one in reserve. No, they kept some of the it. other aircraft for combat air patrol in, in case there was. Um, um, aircraft over the area so it was a really for such a small force the amount of damage they did on these battleships was bloody phenomenal yeah i mean it i it really just highlights the end of the age of of the all-powerful surface ship yep um it, it, it's no longer you know like uh the, the age of sail where whoever has more first rate ships the lines wins it's not the first world war where I'm going to smash my 40 dreadnoughts into your 35 dreadnoughts. Um, it really becomes war truly becomes three dimensional. Uh, and it starts right here with the Italians, Italians getting their heads clobbered in at night. Well, this, this one action, um, with a few cruisers and the, um, the CV had cost the Italian ship half of their ready, battleships in one two nights of um un, unstoppable assaults so yeah. from the british point of view and they made the, the italian navy moved from toronto to naples until that port was upgraded to stop these kind of um, attacks so it puts them on the defensive because toronto being their main port closest to the mediterranean in comparison to naples yeah i mean it, again even if the british chucked up 20 biplanes each night and only 10 came back the damage versus the cost is already just even disproportionately in the British's favor. Yep. And um, the biggest change, though, previously the British doctrine, they had to keep all their capital ships together because of the number of Italian battleships. But in the end, with the losses or the temporary sinking of some of these battleships, the British were able to now form two battle groups, which gave them a lot more mobility around the Mediterranean and each battle group had one CV so they were able rather than being condensed in one fleet they had two fleets to then have operations in the Mediterranean and that really really turned especially early in the war into the British favor well yeah it gives you flexibility instead of just having one big fuck off grouping of ships now now you have two uh, and especially due to the fact that the Italian um, capital ships were reduced to such a state you can you can afford to spread them out and exert your influence. We should discuss what the look. It's easy for us to criticize the Italian fleet. They had some very modern ships. They had some very poor doctrines potentially, 
Um, this is hearsay, hearsay in hindsight. And they had some, we say modern ships, they had modern ships for guns and so forth, but some of their technology was very outdated as well. So, What I actually wanted to do for a potential future uh, history section is go over the conversions for the Contidic Cavoris because they started off as dreadnoughts and then through extensive modification, they were modernized. Yes, and that's very interesting. Because a lot of people just goes hee hee hoo hoo. The pasta pizza got their or pasta people got their face clobbered in when, and I actually did this multiple times when it, it's it's their their military history and technology is so very interesting during the Second World War. It was yeah, you know yeah, some I, of it. I mean, I they they lost wars to like Syria or whatever. What was that? What was that? Uh. War in Africa, I think they they, they beat the, the Ethiopians. They didn't. Yeah, Ethiopia. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So that that wasn't their finest moments. No, no, but, they beat know, Ethiopia. Yeah, but still, the never mind. The Ethiopians the, were not just they 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 put up a good fight. Well, regardless, due to even even with their numerous land uh, based you know military blunders, they they were still. Very interesting. Their their technology and their equipment is still very interesting. So I I do intend to go through and uh, kind of dredge something up for for that later on, just so people don't think that you know we hate Italians. No, the the and you should right. There's there's yeah, I, in my hate Italians. No 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 no. You should spend some time educating folks right okay. because in, right. in my experience there's a you know, you mentioned it, right? The, the Reggie, the Reggie Marina's performance in combat in the second world war was not exactly very auspicious, but their naval architects and their ship construction designers, um, they were, they were good. They were very good. Yeah. And they were trying, they were, they were trying and innovating things that many of the other Western naval powers either, hadn't thought of or didn't have the balls to try <laughs> one well, or the yeah, other. Right? They, they kind of had to because towards during the interwar period, during the Great Depression, they were, you know, the, the, they were essentially like, okay, here's 13 cents in a cannoli. I want that dreadnought to be able to compete with modern capital ships. Exactly. Exactly. And, and get it done in six months. Exactly. I, you know, um, and, and they also had a, a whole bunch of ocean liners and stuff that they built before... Uh, the Second World War, like the racks and stuff that they, 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 there was a lot of interesting Italian architecture and shipbuilding done. They, they had a long coastline. Sorry, Sirata. Between, yes. yes, they have a tremendous coastline. And then between, you know, so you, you hit upon the, the, the conversions, right, of the World War One era units they were trying to bring up to more modern standards in the early 1930s. That's, there's a whole fascinating subset. You can, you can kind of read about that, what they did, what they were, what they attempted, what they were able to achieve and how they went about it. But also, a lot of really interesting innovation came out of the Franco-Italian naval arms race, right? Mm -hmm. Because they got into a big, you know, much the way the British and the Germans had their little one-upmanship going, the, the Marine Nationale and the Reggae Marina were doing the same thing. Um, and uh, it, it's, it's, it's interesting to see those two push each other and some of the decisions and the, that the, the Italian naval architects made to kind of keep the game, stay in the game, as it were. It's fun, it's fun to read about. Yeah. I mean, the, the Italians, I think, added 30 feet onto the bow section of their Conte de uh, Cavores to, to increase their length and increase their hydro efficiency, hydrodynamic efficiency. 
We'll have you to know? touch. We'll, we will have to touch upon that. But. Oh yeah, I'm monologuing again. Sorry, <laughs> that is okay. Um, I'm going to say say, it'll say thank you to our special guest C Raptor for tonight. Thank you for joining us. It's been ha lovely having you on. Thanks for having me. Appreciate the invite. Not a problem. Thank and you for not referring to me as Dicky Minaj. <laughs> well, that's my Discord hey, look, name. I, I I thought about it, but uh, it, I was explicitly told that wasn't okay. Family yeah. stream and a family friendly yeah. show, so I didn't do it. You yep. haven't heard him sing yet. You don't want to. That's good. Ooh. That's good. We'll let Grooney get back to his alcohol celebration. So till then, um, have fun in the game. Remember, if the game's not fun, take a break. Um, games should be fun when you're playing it. So we hope we see you in the break game. Break keyboard, right, Breaker? Oh, yeah. oh, break, break my mechanical keyboard, yes. Till then, I will, we'll see you next week. Take care.